Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street. It's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. To the Red Team Reviews Podcast, hosted by myself, TJ Patrick. I'm going to stop this now. Um, well, yeah, mostly because most people is... don't know what comes after that. That was beautiful. <laughs> if you ask me to beautiful. sing, if you ask me to sing anything beyond that tune of the Lord of the Rings tunes, I would not have it. Which is interesting because we'll get into that, but <clears throat> let me let me just. Uh, I am TJ Patrick, the voice you're currently uh, <laughs> listening to. Uh, I am a. What would I be in terms of D and D? I would be possibly a. I'm gonna call my. I'm gonna say a tiefling. You're a dwarf, dude. No. Yeah. I'm too tall to be a dwarf. No, that you. Okay, that has nothing to do with it. It's the fact. It's your. It's nobody. It's, it's the fact that you. It's a fact that you are grumpy and spend a lot of your time in a cave. Oh, I mean, but aren't dwarves like super traditional and like uh, communal and stuff? And like have tight knit communities. They don't have to be. I suppose. I mean, not. and even then, you can be whatever sort of dwarf you want to be. I mean, then again, they are <laughs> they are a projection of J.R.R. Tolkien's anti-Semitism. But um. right, <laughs> yeah. which we will get to. Trust me. Um, but uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm like a level one tiefling. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, joined as always by the. And you knew we were gonna address this. The Saruman to my orc. I'm so what? That's what? your choice. Yeah. Flattered that I'm Christopher what? Lee. So flattered that I'm Christopher Lee. But like, you're calling yourself an orc. What else am it, I gonna be? Well, no, because what again, else am I gonna be? Because again, then you're playing into the whole like. The, this one I'm not so sure about, but like, there's a lot of discourse about like, are the orcs supposed to be black? Um, and. I don't, the orcs are supposed to be a lot of things. I don't know if they are truly because, like, when I because when I look at it, I'm just like, either this man is so racist, or they're not yes. supposed to be black, um, because like they're just I I don't see how even somebody in the 40s could see them as, and maybe I'm just too contemporary as like these totally mindless, gross thing. Like how anyone could see black people in that light, I I don't understand. I don't think. That's why I said I, I think it's a lot of things. I don't think it's specifically one to one right black. Okay. No. But there is there's there's stuff there. I don't this know why you be would a very say interesting conversation. You you really like even like you couldn't even find a Sam Frodo parallel with us here? No, because I I you simultaneously wouldn't go on the go journey. From, <laughs> I simultaneously go <laughs> No, I go from which one of us is Frodo to God, which one of us is Sam? Like, <laughs> I feel like you're Sam. <laughs> I mean, I will take that immense compliment, but I do not think that myself. I mean, let's be I mean, like, you know, if it's pop culture, I'm probably, you know, if it's a moody adaptation in America, I'm probably Frodo. But um yeah, you do fall down a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, yeah, that's, that's where it gets hard because I'm just like, God, Frodo gets stabbed a lot, and I am not that a weak. A lot, like, um, 
we will so get to that. A lot. <laughs> so, like, if we're talking about like burden with purpose in between the two of us, like, who's gonna actually like stand it up and do it? Probably me. And if it's a matter of like, God, Trevor's gonna be in danger, and you're one of the only people who can stick with him the entire time, that's probably you. Um, like, you would do it if it was like life or death. Like, if we had to burn Donald Trump's hair in Mount St. Helens, you'd do it. <laughs> like if if Sam were sarcastic, if Sam were like sassy and like yeah, true. Had an, that's had not a little bit of an that's attitude. Nobody, that's not that this genre, be... bud. This genre is I know, but utterly I'm saying, sarcasmless. Like, if if Sam if Sam were just as kind and empathetic and sensitive, but also had like the best sense of humor out of everyone, then it's like okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're not the best sense of humor, then Gimli, hello. Just um, because Gimli makes a lot of self-deprecating jokes. <laughs> I would say uh, Mary and Pippin are the ones that yeah, are that's true. that that's true. Yeah, that's very true. That's true. And I mean, oh. and even then, if we're Mary and Pippin, then you're Mary on Pippin. Um, anyway, we spent a lot of time on this. I'm Trevor Catalano. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we got time to burn, you got, baby. And you got uh, a background <laughs> voice that's definitely been present this entire time. Uh, a familiar voice. Hey, oh, you want to say who it is? <laughs> she has graced us with her presence once again. Galadriel. The queen of everything Shh. that was and will be. I mean, not too far off. <laughs> no, I'm an Urukai, I've decided. They have fantastic hair. <laughs> they don't like to run. Like, I really identify with them. <laughs> I could rock that halftail. I'm just saying. I feel like I feel like your character has yet to show up. I'll put it that way. No, I'm telling you, I identify with them. I feel it in my bones. Are you saying she's Amber? Who? No, no, wait. That's not. Sorry, I'm getting the character names mixed up. I was thinking Aowyn. Aowyn. Amber is the cousin. Um, is is oh, key, is, okay. is, key, is Carl Urban? Um, <laughs> oh, okay. As a child, I did identify with uh, Eowyn, I will say. I mean, yeah, you got like three options of identification there, Kat. Oh, yeah, legitimately. Oh, <laughs> and we saw two of on the it. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, it's more than I have. Okay, so. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of all, here's the thing. Of all things, like, I, I have watched all of three Amazon series in my life. It was like Good Omens and The Boys. And it was strictly because it was someone else's account. I didn't have to pay into it. So if I can find another account I don't have to pay into, I probably will watch the Amazon series. I kind of wish HBO Max had gotten the rights because they have the rights to the originals. It's dumb. Um, but I have a feeling they're probably yeah. like they, they can't not do diverse casting in this day and age with anything. So like hopefully there is a good character coming down the pipeline for anyone who's not white in these in this you know, world. I, I love how because because technically I'm the one that typically quote unquote leads these conversations and because we are talking about Lord of the Fucking Rings, by the way, uh I love that we have this might be one of the longest and most egregious times we have put off actually talking about no. it. I mean, yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked about the fellowship of the ring, but like we only got one movie to talk about today. It is a three hour movie. There are three of us. Yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah. But uh we've talked about So each themes, of us gets an hour themes adjacent. <laughs> we've talked about adjacent themes. Um but also I completely lost my train of thought because I, I went off on this tangent. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> no, there are like it's my influence at work. There are important larger overarching themes to Lord of the Rings. Oh, this is where I was going with this. Oh yeah, and just in case anybody's you know completely oblivious, there's a there's an obvious reason that we chose to do this in April because it's it's funny to make the comparison of the hero's journey of the Bible to the hero's journey of Lord of the Rings. And it was intentional. Except for this movie, the books were not written. C.S. Lewis wrote his books to mirror the Bible and to like talk about theology and stuff like that. But Lord of the Rings was not. He was very specific about that. Very clear. I mean, yes, did you see a lot of things? Yes. Gandalf but comes back. Death of spoilers. the author, though. Gandalf comes back from the dead. You're not supposed to say that. That's the next movie, Trevor. I said spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you let's don't be know real. The only people that are that are, the only people that are going to listen to this are actual fans of Lord of the Rings. This is not one of those ones where you you look at the subject and you go, oh, I might give it a shot because I I actually kind of like these two. No, that's not going to happen with this one. Well, so to that <laughs> end, like we should probably talk about like our histories of Lord of the Rings, like because on that note, like yeah, Lord of the Rings is intimidating. Like, Marvel, you can kind of be like, I've seen one or two, and then if you get into it, you get into it. And Star Wars is just, like, intimidating because their fans are just shit. But Lord of the Rings, like, most Lord of the Rings fans I know are, like, kind people who are just like, yeah, no, I like the, uh, I like the way Legolas is empty-headed. Um, like, you know, they, they, they get it. Um, and their stuff is so much more, like, solid. Like, you can't, you can't change the canon of Lord of the Rings. It's pretty ironclad. And so, like, you know, there's not that much, like, drama going on with this stuff. And it also expands into the D&D world. And it inspired so much. So, like, but point being, it's still intimidating. A, because of the run times. B, because it's not always totally clear cut what's happening. And C, just because, like, it's epic. It's, it was a huge thing when we were kids. And so, like, my history is that my close friends, when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, really loved it. And they went to see it. And I very much was like, those orcs are scary. I don't want to watch this. Um, and so I didn't watch, I didn't watch even like enough of a fragment of these movies until I was in college. Um, and I had friends who would watch it on Easter weekend and they would skip the Hobbit stuff because they thought the Hobbit stuff was boring. And I look back at them now and I go, why? That's honestly my favorite parts because battle fatigue is very real and so i very much grew up like playing lord of the rings but not knowing what the fuck was going on my friends very much led that make-believe throughout that entire period and they were like i'm legolas i'm gimli and i'm like i don't know who to be i don't really want to be that guy so i'm just gonna be a random swordsman (laughs) dude um i'm gonna give myself my own name in in reality i was the true DD heir to all of them because those guys are now in like finance and graphic design and I'm in the arts. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's a brief history of me with Lord of the Rings. And then I finally watched the entire extended editions during the pandemic. Cause what else was I going to do? Um, and started really like solidifying my understanding of Lord of the Rings. I don't think it's a coincidence that the second you start really talking about Lord of the Rings, you sound like Palpatine. What? (laughs) Was that not on purpose? (laughs) No. No, it wasn't. Because you definitely, you definitely started going. No, but like, yes, but why is that? Like, why is that? Sure. J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, so, so, (laughs) but that's the thing is that like, 
he's that actor's not in this. He's a British actor who's not in this, surprisingly. And I mean, it's not Harry Potter. It's not Harry Potter. It's not like so. Yeah, Harry Potter's the one that like hoards everyone. Everyone. Yes. Everyone is. To the point where if you're not in Harry Potter, it's just like, oh, what What was wrong with you? Um, (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's a. I, I don't I don't understand what you're trying to connect here, but anyway. Uh the Lord of the Rings is evil. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, if anything, we can we can go into Gollum speak and just So yeah, somebody else talk about what Iron- they like about Lord of the Rings or their history with it, please. Ironically, I feel like you should go into Gollum speak when talking about the Star Wars fandom, if anything. <laughs> Tis appropriate. Empire Strikes Back! <laughs> God. My precious original trilogy. My precious Boba Fett. <laughs> Don't change him from what I like about him. <laughs> so, Cat. <laughs> so, TJ. <laughs> um, well, I... Uh, became a fan at a very young age. My dad worked during the day, um, but at night... To sort of spend time with us um, and things like that. He came home and would read a chapter of a book to us every night. So we started with The Hobbit and we did all The Hobbits and then – all The Hobbits, The One Hobbit. And then we did The Lord of the Rings. We did a bunch of other things. So it's always been a very precious thing to me. Um and then, obviously, I watched them growing up. And I know Trevor said that people say that Legolas is empty-headed, but look at those <laughs> eyebrows. Those eyebrows tell you a story. I he was rocking that it. eyebrow game before anybody else. That's I all I'm going to say. fucking knew it. Here's the thing. All you I'm don't saying. really get – because, like, is, is Legolas a himbo? I think he is. And that's a compliment. Trevor. Trevor. Uh, Don't tell me you don't like himbos. You totally like himbos. I know you well enough to know. You don't know me at all. Yeah. You don't know anything (laughs) about me, good sir. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so I don't know. I've grown up loving. I will say, when I was watching it, I was shocked at how young they all were. Uh-huh. And I guess that, I guess we're just older now, but like Liv Tyler was 25 when she did that movie. But they're 25. also not like Sean Astin was much older than uh, much older than Elijah Wood. So like it's weird how like some of them play younger than they actually were. And Viggo yeah. Mortensen was much older than everyone else. Yeah, well, because he was a replacement. The first guy they hired was too young, they thought. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, and uh, we, we can we can talk about the casting <laughs> as we go along. I have, I have, well, my note about that is that like when it comes to the fellowship, we can talk about like other people in other places, whatever. When it comes to the fellowship, the casting works really, really well. Um, like I don't even know, yeah. I don't even have a frame of reference totally with the books and how well it works compared to the books. But I'm just like their dynamics together work really well, and that's what ultimately, in in terms of adaptations around this time, actually matters. Like people were, if it, it, apparently it's they're faithful to the book, but even that they they all work opposite to each, to each other very well, um, which you could have gotten people who were faithful to the book and didn't have that, and so that's part of why I think these movies work uh, in quotation marks. Hmm. 
TJ. Uh-huh. Okay, TJ. What's your, your what's your what's your what's your what's your lore here? Uh I watched these movies for the first time in 2020. Ah. Okay. Oh, my little heart can't handle it. <laughs> well, okay, let's be let's expand because I had se- Fellowship is the one I've seen the most because obviously. Um and I had seen Fellowship ages ago, like in like fucking probably 2006 or like 2007 or like some some like absurdly some absurd year way long ago and really retained nothing from it. It did really nothing for me. I don't think it, well, I don't think it was a devoted, like I'm going to sit that I choose to sit down and watch Lord of the Rings. It was on in our living room while I was eating dinner. And so it was just like, this just happened to be on. And that's how I first saw it. Um, so I didn't really retain anything. And then years later, when I was like, you know, I feel like I'm going to probably do stuff related to film. So I should probably start watching notable films. That was around the time where I kind of went out of my way to watch Fellowship. And again, it was kind of a thing of like, okay, okay, okay. But just in case, can you repeat all of that for me? Because I don't think I got it. Uh, (laughs) I got got a couple notes like that. (laughs) Uh, Because it was a film that I definitely watched, but I think a day later it was all gone. Um, And then in 2020 was the first, uh, because again, the pandemic, uh, I was like, this would be a perfect time for me to just watch the entire trilogy because I know what happens. Did you read it? <laughs> no, I didn't fucking PJ. read it. Fu- no, of course. Cat. <laughs> what? Of course That's I didn't like read. A... Of course I didn't read the fucking books. TJ. <laughs> I will a, also note. so much. I will also note that I've only read The Hobbit. Well, I will say The Hobbit is definitely the easiest to make it through because it's yeah, just it's the one, one and yeah. like, Oh, it's so good. Even when I was like in a committed relationship with someone who was an absolute Lord of the Rings fangirl, it still was like pulling teeth to get me to read The Hobbit. So, no, no, there was, and even now, it's like because of things that might happen, I am getting audio books for Joanne's Saga. And even then, it's kind of like, part of me is morbidly curious enough that I will press forward and listen to slash read all seven of these fuckers. But at the same time, if you ask me to read Sorcerer's Stone, uh, no. (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. Literally, the only thing I could actually read right now is maybe Artemis Fowl. That's, That's where I'm at right now. Is like I've never read that. I just I grew up with that. I will also give you that. Like right now, I have a lot of books to read on my shelf that I really, really am looking forward to. I'm just so goddamn tired. Um, Right. Sometimes you just got to turn off, and the even just the amount of effort to put into a book can be can be straining. Yeah, dude, I feel that my soul. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Like sometimes I'm not physically tired. Yeah, you're just tired all the time. I did my taxes, and I it was like it took 15 years off my life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. 
when you're already taking 20 years off your life by going to work. Like, it's... Exactly. I was like, I've done nothing but stare at this screen, but I'm so tired. Yeah. Mm. I still have to do my taxes. I mean, I oh, hopefully so hopefully, I will have done my taxes by the time this comes out, because I think legally I have to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. But right. um, We should probably get so, started talking about this. I feel like the only way to do this is probably to track our way through the movie. The only way to do this is to start yeah, no walking towards more. For this one. Nope. And Trip, um, I told Tej I watched the extended, so I'm going to try and remember what's not in the OG, but in the extended. I think I, I think I I'll think, be okay. I've seen it so many times, but I think with Fellowship, it's easier, as far as I remember, to like distinguish between. Like, I don't think there's much to the extended in Fellowship, whereas the other ones, it's like ah, there's an entire extra sequence and stuff. Yeah. Uh, whereas yeah. this one, I think it's just like shots and you know a couple lines, added lines and stuff right. like that. Anyway, so we are now officially, officially talking about Lord of the Rings, and this is why uh, when Trevor pitched Lord of the Rings month, because we text, we don't really talk on the phone except when we're doing this. Um, So he texts me with his desire, his innate desire to do Lord of the Rings month, and I put my phone down and I... I don't, it's a hard thing to verbalize, but I did that thing where you spread your fingers and you touch your fingers together. And I just kind of like, I took a beat <laughs> because, and then I was like, so, and then mentally I made the note of like, we need a guest every week because my note for every single one of these movies will be the same note for every single one of these movies. It's too long. It's too long. <gasps> Never. No. No. Never. And let me let me let me make a distinction right now right up front right off rip. As an adaptation, great. As a movie, fuck that. No. No, 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 no. This should have been a show. It should have been a show. And I will say that every week of this month, this should have been a show. I literally felt, I literally felt it while watch. I felt it watching 2020 and now of just like, yeah, that's where you should get credits. And okay, next week we're going to continue this. Like, it's so much. There's so much. And one of my more broad notes that has no real place anywhere, so I'll say it here at the top, is that, as an like I said, as an adaptation, this is great because it lingers. And that's good for adaptations. Adaptations that allow things to soak and marinate and just kind of live organically, that's always great. And then the movie is bordering, like it's getting towards three hours, and you're like, on second thought. (laughs) Because it's a tall order. It is a tall order for this specific movie. And I will only be focusing on Fellowship, but just know this will be repeated. Like... This is a movie where there is a lot of downtime. And typically, yes, downtime is good. But 
boy, you feel that length after a while. It's just like, okay. Literally, once they get to Rivendell, I'm like, I feel in my bones that this movie should be wrapping up. But I know we're not even at the midpoint yet. And that scares me. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I I had the same note where, like, when he is in the bed, because it parallels a later scene where he's yes. back there in, the, yeah. in a bed yeah. again. They're in back again. Um, in, in Return of the King. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and they have that moment where it's like, Sam! And it's like, okay, yeah, no, this this feels like the end. Like, this feels like the end of like a little, of like a prelude journey. And then we're on the actual journey. Um and I think a lot, of, a lot of that is probably the way that J.R.R. writes. Um, but yeah, I definitely had that note where I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is weird how they're they're literally filming it and and scripting it as if this is its own complete, like, finished climax, story. end of the story. And then we're on to the next thing. Like, this almost feels like the they're point. a world where it's like two books. It, but what, what, what do you mean, though, Kat? Because because if he had not agreed to take it, that would have been the end of the story. No, I'm talking before before he even before he even agrees to walk the ring to Mordor. Like there, it feels yeah, like yeah, that's what I'm end. saying. It's because it feels like an end because you're supposed to think it's the end. In no world should he have volunteered to take it. So like it should that should have been the end of his adventure. Okay. He should have gone home. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. but no, TJ, I, I absolutely get it. And like, I, as I was, as I'm, you're saying all this, I'm thinking to myself, like, I feel like I still could watch it in a movie theater. Like if it was like a festival kind of thing, but I would only want to watch it in a movie theater continuously because of the sensory deprivation of, I'm in a dark room and I'm able to just focus on this one thing and my cell phone's off and I, I'm, I'm committed to this in my house. I definitely like had moments of pausing because he, things keep putting me to sleep at the around the time of them getting to the woods and meeting Galadriel. I was like, cool, oh my I am going God. to pause, take a nap, <laughs> and then I'm just going to play it again, and then we'll get to Boromir, and then we're done. Um, oh, oh, Boromir. So, like, I absolutely get it, and I know that I have to, I have to portion these things out. Um, it, when I'm doing it at home because like it's just there's other sensory stuff work is emailing me and a friend texted me and my dinner's in the yeah, oven yeah we're in it's a like, culture of, yeah. of like hyper hyper attentiveness because there's so much going on and there's so much active and like actively available to us that I think this is a whole other thing but I think we as a society have lost the ability to do that now uh, I wouldn't say we've lost I mean like I can watch Endgame straight through I don't care um, that's different. And I think to TJ's point, like I watch this almost like it is a show because this is three hour long episodes of a show. Yes. Um, like this, this, that, this movie is that, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that being presented cinematically. I'm not going to fight it. It was, it was the early two thousands. It's never going to, like, I don't think anybody is going to remake these anytime soon no. with the intention of, making them more more so movies and we already know that there's another show coming out in that world that will probably be very good because it can be the same pacing and the same uh in-depth like really hard look at the middle earth because it's a show and so i think i think anybody who makes this from here on in is gonna make it that way they're gonna make it a show because we're in the golden age of television yada 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 so like yeah your note makes total sense tj um that all being said uh I am 
good to go on like you know more or less going through chronological now because that was more <laughs> so my like general you said your thing. piece yeah um i so i um i don't really have like a note until like G- gandalf's like research scene um you know where he's like tearing through pages yeah, and volumes and he's like doing a Sherlock Holmes <laughs> um <laughs> everything before that is just like yeah what do you really say about it you know it's kind of like it's magical Hobbiton is so magical New Zealand is magical I what I enjoyed watching again was just the beautiful like the scenery that they you know and the the world that they created uh, which I go quick right su- off the top here with some notes. Okay, okay. Bring but it on, let's so, go. More so fascinations, not criticisms. Um, I've always loved the discourse I've heard outside of the films about the ring distribution discourse. Um, mm. And I'm wondering if Kat has any thoughts on that. I will say last night I was watching it and I said, who the hell would give men the most? Like, no well, one that's in their what right the Naz- mind thought that would be a good idea. No, no, it's, it's a great idea in Sauron's case because the Nazgul. The Nazgul, it's very easy. It's yeah. like men are the most easily corrupted. So, like, let's give the most to them. And then suddenly every Ugh. kingdom's fine. It makes total sense, actually. Um, like, when you actually think of it through that way. And I think it's easy to just dismiss, be like, I guess they gave all these different varieties of rings to these people. And it's like the elves are probably the hardest to corrupt, but they probably have the most powerful rings. Like, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, so I was just curious if you had thoughts on that. Um, you don't have to have no, can, no you can continue you can continue <laughs> um, I have a lot of thoughts I have to be careful when I use them and what I say well, I know like the also, company I keep <laughs> um, well also something that I always forget is like oh yeah wait the elves are immortal and they're like just fucking off middle earth the entire process of these films like, at the very end, when they're all getting on boats to go to, like, I guess heaven um, is that kind of weird allegory of going away from Middle Earth. I'm just, like, it's one of those things where I'm just like, huh, yeah, no, he literally said that from the very beginning. They're like, oh, yeah, the elves are fucking off. We're out of here. You guys deal with this they're problem. They're tired. They want to take a nap. <laughs> I guess. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you haven't been tired in over 3,000, 5,000, 6,000 years. But, like, anyway. Um and it's not that I don't like the Sauron, like, ring sequence with, like, the fire special effects and stuff like that. It's, like, it still holds up, like, for what I'm watching. It just definitely was like, ah, this is old. Like, this entire, the way you put this together, it's old. Yeah, but there's a beauty to that, like, Kate Blanchett voiceover while they're describing mm-hmm. things. That there's, I mean, that's, like, a masterpiece. I mean, Kate Blanchett in general, but, like... It's so good. It's so good. You're like, ooh, here we go again. Like, where's my tea? I'm ready. And, like, I know they tried to do this, like, with The Hobbit and, like, hinting at with The Hobbit movies, which was not. Yeah, we won't go there. Um, But I'm really interested because of seeing all these, um, what's the name of the Isildir? um, And seeing all that. Like, that's supposed to be, like, not quite. That's supposed to be where we end the Amazon series. And so I'm really interested in how they tell all that prelude stuff of, like, Sauron coming to be and being like a functional person. He's always kind of this overarching devil in this series, um, watching everything and is supremely powerful. And I want to see him rise to power. I think that'd be really interesting. Um, and then, yeah, going to the 
going back to the hobbits i always found it fascinating how tolkien uh took one passage and one item from the hobbit and expanded it into this massive thing and i just want to like give some credence to that like he did not write the section with the magical ring and and Gollum uh in the hobbit thinking that that would be like this other massive story but he did know what he did know enough about writing and about our fascination to to go okay wait no hold on what about this thing let me pull this thread let me pull this thread a little more let me change this because he does retroactively go back and write rewrite that segment from the hobbit to make it fit better with lord of the rings um and i've only ever read the, the rewritten version but um it's it's always been fascinating to me how that that was the thing that stuck out, not anything else. He just loved it so much. I love people that are passionate about what they do. And you like it is clear that he like was invested in it. He wrote this language. He like uh, he really spent the time with it. And I do think Peter Jackson really tried. And I, again, I do hear what you're saying about TV show versus a movie. But I really think he really tried to keep as much of that alive in, you know, the device that had been chosen. And, and I think one way in which Peter Jackson does that really well is, like we were said, like Hobbiton feels very at home. And I actually think it feels even more at home in the Hobbit movies, um, probably because of better film, better cinematography tools. Um, but like, yeah, they went they went out of their way to make like the food in Hobbiton always looks fantastic. The the yeah. camaraderie, it feels warm. It feels homey, like the architecture yeah, like of Hobbit holes yeah. feels like home. Um, in a way that's very, that I'm, I'm sure is more so something that is identified from like people who are European in descent and European-esque cultures like United States. But I also just, I love the concept of the hobbits. I think the invention of the hobbit was one of the best, best puzzle pieces in the creation of fantasy that we've ever had. Because like, there's this impetus on the fact that like, it all rides on them, these tiny little these, these very small people, because they are truly the most powerless in the entirety of this world, but they're also the most grounded. They don't have delusions of grandeur. They don't have a culture of supremacy. They are, I mean, some of them are a little country and a little, and a little like stuffy, but they are the smallest creatures. And he's writing a story that says the smallest of creatures can make the biggest of differences. And that's why it has to be, because a lot of my notes in this first chunk, this first hour are about how like Tolkien and Peter Jackson give us no room for, well, why didn't they just do that? Except for the Eagles. That's the only thing. Um, and even then, isn't there Stephen, like an Stephen, actual Stephen, thing with that though? Yeah. yeah Stephen yeah, Colbert explains it <laughs> actually okay. the best Stephen Colbert and James Franco um, on the Colbert report, Stephen Colbert, somebody brings up the Eagles and he's like, the Eagles are a proud people. You cannot just ask them to do those things. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't just do it. They, they are proud. And it's like, it's a whole thing. Um, but he gives us no room for like, fin- he gives us no room for like these questions. Like he, he makes it very clear in setting up who the hobbits are, why it has to be Frodo. And it has to be these four hobbits and they have to be the largest subset of the fellowship. It's because they can get in and out easily, similar to what happens in The Hobbit, why they choose a hobbit to get the, uh, you know, to get into the uh, Lonely Mountain. It's that they can get in and out. They are not going to be noticed. Um, you know, people are going to overlook them, underestimate them, and that's what makes them the best people to pull this off without a direct, immediate conflict, which will obviously 
unfold, but still, like, that's why at the end of this movie, Frodo and Sam's story really does become separate from the rest of the action and the rest of the story, is because that is the core of the mission. And he sets, they both set that up so well here, to where... If you're being a dumbass and you're just like, well, why can't the powerful person just storm in? It's like, no, no, no. That's why we have the whole confrontation with Boromir. That's why we set up all this time with Hobbits is to show this is why it has to happen this way. Trevor, that was beautifully said. You should speak like my eulogy when I die. <laughs> uh, happy to? I don't know how to do Can that. On to negativity. Um, Elijah's facial expressions in this movie are weird. I think it's just because he hasn't grown into himself. I, don't, I think he's literally too young of an actor. I don't think he knows fully, like, how a real reaction works, which is ironic because, I mean, like, you know, Christopher Lee is in this movie, and Christopher Lee famously, so in his death scene uh, later on, was like, Peter Jackson was, like, saying, like, take a deep gasping, gasping breath in when you get stabbed. And he goes, no, 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 no. That's not what happens when you get stabbed. Because Christopher Lee's been stabbed <laughs> before. <laughs> he's a world-class swordsman. Um, he's like, no, no, no. The breath goes out of you when you get stabbed. Um, anyway, so then well, the fact that Frodo gets stabbed all the, uh, so many times and he just looks like he's like absent-mindedly climaxing. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. Elijah Wood's a little bit too young of an actor to really carry this perfectly the entire movie. But isn't that kind of the point is that you're it's it's it is that like child you're like oh someone needs to help him he cannot do this <laughs> you know I don't know I don't know if I'm supposed to pity Frodo oh. I think I'm supposed to root for him <laughs> TJ <laughs> boy <laughs> oh it is it is it does not come to a fever pitch in this movie so I'm wondering yeah. if I should get into it but no no let's talk about I, it later my thoughts on Frodo as a protagonist. <laughs> yeah, I really do prefer the Samwise Gamgee and Aragorn as protagonists. Version yeah, a thousand percent. But, but I have a note. I'm going to close with one. I'm going to close with a note that uh, kind of addresses that. Um, and it fits better at the end of the movie. Uh, but yeah, so back to kind of what I'm saying is that like the script, as we're progressing through more Hobbit and stuff, uh, the script definitely takes the time to like answer all the questions and develop the lore. Like this script in the first hour is just a quilt. It's a quilt of information and it's like it's ironclad before you get to like the journey style storytelling of later. Like we get a moment where we can answer the question of like why Gandalf can't take the ring. He has an entire monologue where it's like, you know, it would corrupt me. I'm too powerful for the ring to be a hold of why it shouldn't be worn, which will foreshadow the things that happen when Frodo does choose to wear it. And they also talk about who not to trust. They take a moment to be like, look, even the frickin birds might be spies like you need to be aware of every bit of your surroundings all the time so that when things do hit the fan, the audience is in tune to be like, oh, OK, no, 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 you can't trust these men when they're in uh, the Prancing Pony and the the word Baggins is being whispered into all their ears and it's starting to turn them. It's like, oh, OK, I get why everyone's suddenly a threat and I get why the ring itself is a threat. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Um, we're talking hero's journey where literally they have that entire scene with Sam in the field, in the cornfield, literally saying, this is the farthest I've ever gone from home. And it's the literal crossing of the threshold. And it works for me. Like, you know, sometimes you can play on hero's journey tropes and it doesn't work. But this one, I'm like, yeah, no, this is one of my, this is one of my favorite moments of this movie. Cause it's so honest. He's so honest and he does a great job of delivering that. And, you know, they've set it up again. They set it up so beautifully that we understand, like we understand what he's, like turning away from when he leaves this journey, they've set up 
Hobbiton to be so lovely and like for us to really understand what he's he's missing um, by going on this journey, I think. Okay. So somewhere in that meantime, we get this side this side quest with Gandalf being captured by Saruman. And this is something I think you can speak to, TJ. Like, Peter Jackson really loves his traveling shots, extreme close-ups, tilts, and pans. Because that entire wizard fight gave me vertigo. My god, the Dutch angles. <laughs> like, the entire wizard fight scene gave me vertigo. <laughs> like, I and just... Really... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's all you got, TJ. I'm really curious as to when... Uh, when when Gandalf is spinning on his head with his legs up in the air, I'm like, is that a puppet? Did they make an Ian McKellen puppet for that? Because I cannot see Ian McKellen sitting there for several shots of doing that. There's no fucking way. Um, like, this is a part that I definitely never remember, even though it's it's critical to the story to be like, oh, his mentor has turned against him. Congratulations. Now we're in the deep. Um, we're raising the stakes, raising the stakes. But on the flip side, I'm like, uh, I could do with one scene of confrontation and then be done with it. I don't need Gandalf tied up on the top of uh, Isengard, like, you know, being tortured by demons. Like, I don't need that. Um, In the midst of all this, we have uh, quickly gone past uh, the one note I had for this uh, damn near hour-long act one, which, Christ, but... um. When Gandalf goes off to research, like right when Bilbo leaves and he gives the ring to Frodo in an envelope and he's just like, just, just hold that for a second. Hold that thought. And he just like dips out real quick and he goes to research and then it's intercut with Gollum being tortured and then the ring rates set out for the Shire and then... Also, Gandalf comes back in that time and he's like, oh, yeah, they they definitely know where they're to come here because they tortured Gollum. I don't know how long. And I'm like, stop, 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 stop. What exactly is the fucking timeline here? Because a lot of stuff is happening at the same time. And in order for this tension to work the way I feel like it needs to, some things need to be somewhat better established in terms of like, okay, so Gandalf can go to a place, I don't know how far, and then come back, and the ring rates still aren't there, but the tension in the scene is that the ring rates are like right on their asses. And I'm like, okay, the structure of this and when things happen is actually kind of important because specifically the tension is about how close they are. So implying that the Ringwraiths had to have left long enough ago for word to somehow reach Gandalf that oh, they're on their way and this is how they found out because of Gollum. But also, he had enough time to leave and come back, leave, do a Sherlock Holmes and come back and allow Frodo and Sam to pack is kind of like, when is everything happening? So I think this is a product of faithful adaptation and here's why. 
if the Hobbit is any indication, Tolkien really likes to essentially write long sequences of nature and describing the world where he's basically saying, hey, you know how they're in the forest? Yeah, they did that for a month. Nothing important happened, and now we're going to move on to the next important thing. But he very deliberately is like, things happen slowly. This took a month. This took three weeks. Like, that's that's what he does. And so I think if you're going to be faithful to that adaptation, and Peter Jackson doing being faithful to that adaptation, it's almost like the fans know, and, and you're right, you know, the audience who isn't fans don't know. But the you almost have to assume it's just like okay cool assume that people are staying put for more than three hours assume they've stayed put for at least a day if not a week if not a month and they've really actually rested and really actually done these things and they act like it's urgent because they're just they're just on a different timeline they're just on a different timeline of like it's urgent what does that mean that means we have five years whereas like most movies are like it's urgent what does that mean it means we have 24 hours like it's it's just not the same yeah. Okay, so here's okay, so he, so here's my thing with that. <laughs> now, because this was never this was never an issue with me with like source material or adaptation. It is 100% a 100% of Peter Jackson thing I have of like it is now your job to find a way to tell me how much time has passed. There's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can either straight up tell me or you can establish a thing of like, you know, one way to tell that, you know, like hours has passed or like a day has passed is like, you know, having a shot of a candle be like a certain height and then fade. And it's like way melted down, you know, like things like that. Just like it's a it's a thing of like. It's how movies have to function. It's like how in musical theater. Uh, one of the most infamous musicals that does this, that I was in, so I can speak to this, is Merrily We Roll Along. Every transition has them tick back the clock audibly. They use their transitions as exposition because they're using their medium to go, okay, this is how we will relay information and make it entertaining and make it make sense within our medium. And we go, 1969, 1968, 19... And, like, that's how they do it. And film has their ways of doing it, too. And I got none of that. <laughs> that's Merrily my real Merrily along is how I'm going to meet Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> I know. I know. I will is, say to is you, he going to be? It's years. Is he going to be Frank Shepard? I mean, that's probably it. I don't know. There's another person that I'll I'll say off of recording who they're they're Uh-oh. looking at for another character. <laughs> um, it's this is going to be big, guys. I'm going to have a lot on my hands, and I'm going to enjoy it. Um, last time I had anything this big was Daniel Craig, and we all know how that turned out. I got champagne in a bag. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> 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 is that the episode title? Champagne in a bag. Woohoo. Oh my god. <laughs> there and back again it's with that. champagne in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. We haven't even gotten past act one. Let's keep going. Um But no, you're you're right. Like you can you can be right about that. That's I I, I think I honestly feel like other Lord of the Rings fans will look at you and go, Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. That's what I would say. It just never, I guess it just never bothered me. This is the I thing with me I keep finding on our podcast is that, like, <laughs> so many times it'll be like, well, okay, no, you're not wrong, but, like... <laughs> To quote, they just had to three, quote, I mean, uh, three-hour movie. So, so Mike Birbiglia, the the comedian slash solo performer, has a show called Sleepwalk with Me. It's about his his uh, debilitating sleepwalking disorder that has like could kill him. Um, and or no, sorry, no, no, it's, this is one of his other specials. Anyway, he talks about how he got in a car accident with a drunk person, and the police wouldn't take his side. And he was like going super deep and everything about like trying to get this to hold this police officer accountable, yada, yada, yada. And his uh, girlfriend at the time, and this is like part of the process of him deciding to marry her, is that she's like, Mike, you're right, but it's only hurting you. And that's you on this podcast. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I die like, TJ, a little inside. You're right, but it's only hurting you. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so I don't have a note until uh, Arwen shows up. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, first of all, the real victims of the Nazgul are their horses with the red eyes. What did the horse yeah. do to be made evil? Like, is was the horse already evil? And they were like, ah, this is a perfect pairing. Let's pair you together. Or did they make the horse evil? In which case, that's not fair. There's a horse. Loose in a... It's loose the horses who are loose in, in the hospitals. hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> and they went, hey, you want to be a part of this hunt for a ring? And they went, I don't know what you're talking about. But yes. Um... <laughs> Stomping oh, to death with my hooves. Uh, Vigo <laughs> Mortensen. Um, oh, Vigo Mortensen. We're, in, we're back in the prancing pony. Uh, first of all, okay, actually, no, let's talk about this. Takes some 50 always, minutes. What? Takes some 50 minutes to get to this goddamn okay, prancing pony. All right, okay, all right. But it's very, it's, like I said, it's a quilt. It's a quilt, and then we get rid of the quilt because we're on a journey. <laughs> um... <laughs> So many good polls of quotes for this episode. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about the use of perspective, because like this is the way that they did the difference in size back in, you know, back in the 2000s. They yeah. just used perspective filming. And I find it in this movie, like it doesn't always bother me, but I always do find it jarring the moments they decide to remind us that they are small. Like when they walk in and we're like framed on them, where like it's a standard framing of standard actors who are, you know, normal sized men. Um, and I say that because I am also a normal sized man. I swear. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so you have these normal sized men, and then you have the perspective of, oh no, here are the real men and these tiny men, uh, these tiny hobbits, and yeah, this is what they actually are. And I'm like, Ah, uh, this is always, it's always so, like, I'm impressed and it reminds me and it does its job, but it's very jarring for me. It's like they suddenly took the picture and then they smeared it so that they're far apart. And I'm like, uh, this is tripping my brain up. That's all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have, I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Kat, I just I, think see, it was genius. See, okay, let me ask you, Kat. Like, feelings okay. about Vigo Mortensen, because you've made your feelings clear about Orlando Bloom. Oh, I love him. Okay. Do you love him I love specifically? Him all. Do you love. Let's so, see, Orlando Bloom, I can imagine you love in and out of this movie. Are yeah. you attracted to Vigo Mortensen when he's not Aragorn? Yes. 
Okay, you're you're different then. Because uh, like I I'm wanted to bring up that what <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring up the discourse that I've heard about this, which applies to Henry Cavill in uh, The Witcher as well. Which is like okay. there's the guys who are dirty that they clean up really well, um, mm-hmm. and those are like the Robert Pattinsons. Um, mm-hmm. And but there are the guys who like in their regular everyday lives are very clean. And like, because Henry Cavill is Superman. And then they grime up really good. Like, they look better when they're dirty. And that's what people say about Viggo Mortensen in this movie. They're like, he's only attractive because he's just fucking slimy and rugged the entire time. I mean, that's, it's not a drawback. I'm going to put it there, but like. <laughs> You're not <laughs> wrong. There's, there's but this is hurting. <laughs> no, I love him. I love him, and it's it's for me. It's something I love in the eyes. Him, but yeah, every but day I'm learning. But I'm going to say that about every man in this entire movie. I'm just going to put that out there, though. But yeah, so we're we're in the prancing pony. Everything is happening in the way that, like, dramatic dramatic irony wise, the audience expects to happen. They expect the people to kind of catch them. They expect Frodo to have a reason to put on the ring. They expect the subversion with Strider. I hate... That's the one thing I've always hated. I was just like, just call him Aragorn and let him be Aragorn. I hate that he has three different names. Um, They all have seven different names, but, you know, that's just fantasy. Um, And everything (laughs) pretty much keeps pace up until they start to leave. And then Rufredo gets stabbed again. Um, So let's talk about Arwen. Um, Arwen is wooden as fuck. I mean... What exactly was Liv gonna do? Agreed. I'm not really. I mean, then again, Liv, Liv Tyler in like the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk movie is also incredibly wooden. I don't. I have never seen I Liv have Tyler the same in something. Note. <laughs> I have. I have never seen Liv Tyler in anything where I went, "Oh, this is this is great. This is her best performance." I have no. I have no basis on Liv Tyler's talent, and she's. I mean, she's, she's only Steven really Tyler's daughter, really... right? Yeah, she's yes. Steven Tyler's daughter. Yeah, okay. But, so, but like, I've to be fair, I've never seen her in a well-written role. Exactly. That's well, that fair. Was sort of my, That's fair. My point. <laughs> I, like she, she was given very little to work with in this. And uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was supposed she was supposed to like fight more in the third movie, I believe. Oh, um, yeah. And like that would have been something, but like she oh, basically they just couldn't plays... like get her t- schedule or something. I think they just decided against it. Oh, <laughs> because you know we already we already filled our quota of one badass woman. We couldn't possibly have more. Um, oh, God, there's so much. When um, there's only three to choose from. Yeah, that's. <sighs> so just have but... them all be that. But um. Like, here, Liv basically plays two different characters. This also happened in the original Star Wars with Carrie Fisher. We're like, we're, for some reason, we meet Arwen, and she's, like, immediately interesting. The first thing that she does is interesting. She's like, 
what's this now? It's just a ranger caught off his guard. And it's just like, ooh, intrigue. And then she takes Frodo and is like, what? We just met this character. Now she's taking the most important character by herself. And she's outrunning the Nazgul. Ooh, she's really interesting. And then, you know, she's like, if you want him, come and claim him. And that character literally dies. <laughs> she dies when they get back to Rivendell. She, face, she faces a horrible murder off screen and what we're left with is just this like this whispering maiden of like oh I Aragorn I oh I just want to be with you that's all I want that's the only thing that I that gives my life value and I'm just like god damn it Tolkien fucking did you have to like what were you the precursor for Toriyama holy shit nobody like very few people will get that but like <laughs> It, it Toriyama is the guy that wrote Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, where every time there's an interesting badass woman character, well, she meets a, one of the main characters and has a kid, and now she's a mom. The end. And it's just like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> well, like, it. what sucks about Arwen here is that she is never the vessel for her own story. Yeah. Um, and that's why this romance is so bland, is because she is a vessel for the Elves are immortal story. And and so elves are immortal. You can't have him because you're immortal. And that's what's more important is we get out that the elves have this thing. And it's, and it's subversion, I guess. And then the other side of it is progressing Aragorn's struggle to not to have someone who is for he is forbidden to have. That's all it does. Everything else about their dynamic, their chemistry, like everything else about it is just like, this is bland as hell. This is nothing. And you know what? Maybe in the book, it didn't have to be anything. Maybe they just need it. They, maybe he just went, oh, you know what? Look, eh, you can have a little bit of romance for fun. Um, it's and it's not that important. Put that out there. But I mean, it, it, oh, it's not even in the book? No, it's better in the book. Obviously. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. So very much. So then very much it becomes the Peter Jackson making a choice to go, yeah. okay, cool. Well, we're going to focus on the walking everywhere and not this. Um <laughs> So they love walking through New Zealand um, to unfortunately, uh, because I'm a blo- I'm obligated to unfortunately quote quir- uh, clerks two of all movies. Even the fucking trees walked in those movies. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, it's a it, it's it's. Like, it's not even hard to make that romance slightly more interesting. Just give the, bad ar- movie, the bad movie description for this movie is, a group of friends have a very hard time on their walk to return some jewelry. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> many that's, die that's in Lord the process. Of the <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it was not a good time, Hat. Uh, but... <laughs> It's like if they actually were consistent with Arwen's initial characterization where she's a strong-minded woman who does whatever the fuck she really wants to do in this universe of men being typical fantasy men, that could have been interesting. If you allowed Arwen to have more of a personality, lean into more of the whole forbidden part of the romance, like just as much as the immortal thing. Like if you have it be that like, they kind of can't just be a couple. 
And that, like, they constantly have to, like, have these stolen glances and, like, they have to sneak off at night and they can't stay together for too long because, you know, they're here at Elrond's, you know, hospitality. They can't, you know, Aragorn really shouldn't just be, you know, going off to Mac with his daughter. But, like, there's also a thing of, like, they're genuinely in love. And, like, if there was actual banter, if there was genuine banter with Aragorn and Arwen, the way the... The first line Arwen set, says promises there will be because she that line is so it's so good. filled with personality and it's like the knowing glance like right when he gets caught in that field and like just kind of looks up at her. It implies a lot and it's just dropped. It's just dropped. Just shrug well, it off your shoulders. Now I'm sitting here going, I would love to see Hugo Weaving as a sitcom dad trying to keep his daughter from getting taken advantage of by the grimy boy. Um, I think that'd be funny, especially like 1990s, 1980s sitcom theme music. I would love to see that. Um, It's for your own good, (laughs) Miss Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Um, next thing I have is the is the the council or uh, the Council of Elrond. I actually have a few things in Rivendell. Um, so, oh, actually, no, uh, my first note was when we met Arwen, uh, I noted that Sam questioning our Aragon's decision to give Frodo to Arwen could have led to maybe a quick line or two about Arwen or about just like literally anything, but it's literally just like Sam going, how could you do that? And Aragorn's just kind of silent. And then we just cut to Arwen (laughs) running off and I'm like, well, I feel like you... You set something up right there, and okay. All right, we're going. We're going. I'm not going to complain in this movie that we didn't linger on a scene. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and then (laughs) Frodo wakes up. I I literally shrieked when I saw this today, because I don't think I've ever registered this until now. Fucking Frodo wakes up, (laughs) and Gandalf... Gandalf is there, and he says, like, oh, yeah, it's, like, 10 a.m. on October 24th. And I'm like, stop. Stop it right now. They do not have our clock system and our calendar that shut the fuck up. In this this franchise, where they built languages from nothing, they have entire species with innate ornate like intricate histories they do not say it is 10 a.m on october 24th i fully call you a goddamn liar or alternatively i am officially calling jrr tolkien a fucking hack what the hell is that (laughs) i mean i think it does speak to him being that kind of a nerd to where like i'm sure there was somebody who came up to him he's like yeah, has the book coming? And he's like, so no, so I got these, I got this new species that I'm working on called the Urukai, and like, you know, and, and you know what, I've been really thinking about Elvish, and I think that maybe like, maybe the subject and predicate should be like reversed in that whole thing, and like, I really want to yeah. be relying on vowels, and, and then somebody goes, you know what, that's really great, but you know, I'm not really following everything, but that's really great, so like, you're gonna like get into, like, you must be doing like, cat, like, like this shit, that, like, what about calendars? And he just like, looks at them for a long time, and it's just like, And then just moves on to doing his own <laughs> shit. He's already too uh, overwhelmed with everything else. He's just like, no, you're, 
okay, well, why would I do a calendar? That's stupid. And then he just goes off on the rest of the thing about what he, why he's a, because he's at the end of the day, his passion was linguistics. Like, you know, he wrote a great fantasy story, uh, but like linguistics were something that he really, really loved. Um, Real quick, so, I have yeah. to point out the uh, just blatant hypocrisy of you instilling a pause, a dead pregnant pause in an audio medium when literally just the other week you were sh- you were shitting on Krista for doing the exact same thing. <laughs> to which no, we named the was... episode after. <laughs> no, but mine was mine. I created a character in your mind and I had him told him that he was staring. <laughs> And then I gave a reaction. It's different. This is storytelling, TJ. Storytelling. This is what the whole thing is about. It's the hero's journey. Um. You know what you are, Jerry Seinfeld. You're so full of shit. Uh, that that doesn't make any sense to you guys listening. I, was, I apologize. Um, so, okay. Also, uh, Elrond gives his backstory real quick because he's like, ooh, yay, it's my time. Let's go. <laughs> I'm like, this Elrond backstory just com- just kind of comes right the fuck out of nowhere. There is a more organic way to do this. Like, why don't you just have a conversation with literally any of the hobbits that don't know anything? And then just, they can then just they go- they know something. Yeah, well, it's just because, like, then somebody could- Or just fucking Boromir, even, or some shit, of just, like, why the fuck do you- Why do you have this opinion of men? What's wrong- What's so bad about men? And he can go, I was there. I was there all those years ago. Like, he, he fucking says it to Gandalf, and I'm just like, Gandalf knows this shit. <laughs> I'm like, why does he say this to Gandalf? Why? I literally wanted Ian McKellen to just turn around like, motherfucker, I didn't ask you your life story. I know it. <laughs> Get a little bit of Aslan. Don't quote the dark magic to me, which I was there when it was written. Um, the only good line in uh, all of Narnia. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I don't know, Cat. <laughs> Can I have it's, more Tuscan It's definitely delight. the best line. Turkish delight. Yeah, Will, Pol- line. Will Poulter was in one of those movies as a kid. Annoying as fuck. I think we can say that that's the best line coming out of Liam Neeson's mouth. Um, Can I have more Turkish delight? <laughs> yep, that's a great one. Anyway. Um uh, and I did note, yeah, Rivendell feels like the start of a whole ass other movie. Um, yes. Yeah. But more specifically, it's like, yeah, to your point that you said earlier, Kat, the whole fake out of like, this feels like the end would have worked if this was the end. <laughs> it would have worked if like right at the end of the, the end, TJ, right at the, en- the end, if right at the end of the movie, when you think Frodo's finally going to go home and maybe we might follow some other characters later, but like Frodo's story is done. That's when he goes, I will take the ring to Mordor. And then they go, you are the fellowship of the ring. And they set out on their adventure. <laughs> and then it says, and it fades to black and says directed by Peter Jackson. Fine. <laughs> You so, really want this to be a TV show so bad. I got a, I got a couple things. I mean, honestly, TJ, you could probably find a way to edit the movie and put yes, it online I can. and be like, yeah. I absolutely um, can. <laughs> but so on that note, I did, my note was, and you shall be the title of the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Roll credits. 
So before we even get there, though, I, I don't know if anybody else noticed this. If you're watching any of the background dudes who are like around Boromir during his whole speech, and then like when they have that confrontation of like, no, 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 no you're not going to take the ring. And then Boromir like sits down. None of the other characters in the room are looking at the conversation. None of the background guys in the Council of Elrond are watching what's happening. They're just staring into fucking space. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? Is that a direction? Why is this happening? I don't know. I don't know if that's Peter Jackson's way of being like, no, 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 no. Don't give them anything else to focus on. You are a blank slate in a costume. Do not upstage him. Um, I have to wonder if that's <laughs> it. Um, I do. I think Gimli's attempt on destroying the ring is iconic. Um, yes, I also think uh, it's good storytelling. Again, it's it is J.R.R. Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien saying, "Okay, you think you can just break it? No, and here's why. And we're going to set up a larger journey. And that's to me, that's just a standard like good choice in storytelling. Um, the little note I have is, okay, cool, let's destroy it. Nope, plot. Um, <laughs> also, like, uh, also, also with like, this being the fucking Gimli, you don't think." <laughs> If we could have just used a fucking it's axe. Great. I love it. <laughs> we would have done it already. God damn it. Um, they have to show I, it, not tell. I couldn't, I couldn't help but think of the meme and my axe and my Glock. Um, <laughs> to that very old meme. Um, there's so anyway, many memes from that There's scene. so many memes. From this point <laughs> on, it's all memes. Oh. Like, one does not simply walk into Mordor. Okay, okay fine. Keep your secrets. <laughs> Um, so many memes. Uh, fly you fools, or I have no memory of this. Like, there are so many memes from this movie. Um, sh- uh, another meme, Sean Bean is gonna die twice this month. Um, <laughs> right oh, now, no. and yeah, in the final well, isn't week it, of the- it's so lucky. And it's so lucky because that show won. It's oh, so lucky. Oh, man. Wow, we were so fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Frodo volunteering always did make me smile because again, this is something that I'm very central. Like I remind myself because it makes it more enjoyable for me of the whole, like Frodo doesn't have to do this. He's the he's, he's not totally reluctant, but he has to do it. It just, it, it's part of his destiny. And, and that like, I'm not normally one to go for destiny in stories and like the way things should happen. But like in this, it works yeah. for me. Um, Crazy Bilbo always scared me. Always scares me. Yeah, that's valid. Um, and I actually, like, we're never going to talk about those Hobbit movies, so I'll just say, like, Martin Freeman's interpretation of Bilbo is one of my favorite Hobbits of all time. Um, I really love Bilbo as a reluctant protagonist and the things that Bilbo has to learn along the way, the things he has to stomach and overcome, and, like, he has to he has to force himself to grow. Um, and so, like, the fact that there's still seeds of that in this movie, I'm like, okay, all right. He's a little bit more of an old dude, kind of not understanding what's going on but like you know i haven't seen the hobbit in so many i think i watched those movies once and i was like i'm done uh even with my limited knowledge of the hobbit the second i was like oh they cast martin freeman okay yeah that's perfect (laughs) you're right though it is absolutely terrifying he's so scary when he goes all it also it's like you know yeah call him yeah Yeah, exactly yeah we're explaining again we're showing how one goes from a to b um uh, also, this is your casual reminder that Gimli is played by Jonathan Rhys Davies, uh, who's so tall. Who also played yeah. the villain in Princess, Princess Diaries, Diaries too. too. <laughs> Why do we really? need to be We're reminded skip to of that, that, TJ? We're gonna we skip to that to instead reminded. of Hagrid. 
What? <laughs> he's Hagrid. No, it's not. He's not. He's not what? fucking Hagrid. Oh, wait. That is Robbie Coltrane. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fine. Whatever. I'm not but, ashamed. But, 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 in that, but imagine an alternate timeline. It yeah. Yeah. That would have been awesome if Gimli turned out to be Hagrid. And he's so Holy good. Shit. He's so. Oh, they're all so good. But you're right. He is very tall. So again, it's another um, great example of you seeing using the angles and things like that. And, and Ian McKellen is tall, but not that tall. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. So now we get a lot of never journeying. toss a dwarf, Harry. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we get a lot of journeying. There's that whole like sequence, and I'm pretty sure the reason I want this is because it's been parodied, where they're walking between the split rock one by one, and they all look like gallant and like brave and everything like that. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Redo this. Show them being brave and and suave looking earlier in the sequence. And by the time we get to this point in the montage, I want them to look disgusting and exhausted except for Legolas. I want Legolas to look pretty as fuck and everyone else to be like, god damn it, we've been walking for fucking ever. I really want that. Change the movie. Give that to me. <laughs> you uh, don't know what you you don't know what's good for you. I know what's good for you. <laughs> um also, uh you know, hmm, do you think Boromir is being corrupted by what he wants? I don't know. I don't know if we caught that. I don't know if that was hinted at, and I really want to know if you guys think that was being hinted at. Uh, I will take this moment uh, instead to shout out uh, the editing on that one uh, girlfriend reviews video on YouTube. Uh, that, like, the editing is always great, but if you know, you know. Uh, there was this time where they were talking about some Switch games, a Nintendo Switch game. And, you know, the Nintendo Switch cartridges are really tiny. So they literally photoshopped in the Nintendo Switch cartridge of, I think, Breath of the Wild, I think. And <laughs> had that scene of Boromir going, like, it's such a, so crazy that we're fighting everything <laughs> over something this small. And I was just like, you're actually brilliant. That's what funny. the hell? That's very funny. <laughs> God, the Lord of the Ring references can cut so deep. <laughs> so, um, so I'm right before right before they have to make the choice to go to the Mines of Moria is where I'm at. Uh, I will have a more overarching thing once we are actually in Moria. Okay. okay. Um, one thing that has always bothered me about Saruman and Gandalf is the super softness of the magic system in Lord of the Rings. Yep. Has always bothered me. Because it's not that it's yep. just ill-defined. Like soft magic systems are stuff that's ill-defined. Hard magic systems are stuff that it's like, you must follow these exact rules or things will go wrong. Is that it's so soft that literally it's like Saruman can make an avalanche from across a continent. And I'm like, I hate that. I have never liked that. The ability to just have an impact on someone somewhere other than yourself. And in there are some ways in which it works fine when when Sauron can see the ring from anywhere on the continent, that makes sense to me because that has a degree of definition. Whereas this, it's just like, oh, at any time, Saruman could have made the journey more difficult for them. Why didn't he kill them a lot earlier? It, it's so soft that it's aggravating. Hmm. He's basically doing that villain thing of like, well, it, of course I could kill you, but I want to make sure that you kill you. It's just like, what? <laughs> well, not only that, it's the villain thing of like, oh, I bet you didn't know I had this in my back pocket and it's going to kill you. And I'm like, ugh, that's just annoying. 
Also on that note, all the sequences where we cut away to him, I, I, I don't think the concept of, oh, they're making orcs is clear at all. Like they're birthing orcs. I don't think cinematically that's one of the biggest orcs, failures. They're making urukai. Anyway, they're making my brethren. Urukai are a subsect that, that of orcs. Uh, but yes, no. At, at no point during all of that am I ever as an audience clicking like, oh, they're creating a creature that is never. It's just a series of, like, you know, just cutting down trees and prepping an army, and then suddenly it's like, ah, that's what they were doing. Who is this thing? Is this thing important? Is this just how it works? I don't know. And it doesn't tell me any of that in this entire movie. I mean, personally, I kind of registered it, but at the same time, uh, I don't care. Yeah. Um, Like, that's just a, it's just a thing of like, ooh, boy, God, much respect and much love to Christopher Lee. I, um, mm. I so don't care about Saruman. <laughs> yeah, that makes I, sense. Uh, oh boy. Not at all. There's no real reason to for me. He's I'm just Gandalf's like Gandalf's mentor. I mean, yeah, we barely get that cat. <laughs> he turns on him the first time we meet him. Maybe if instead of that uh, fight scene that Trevor hates so much. Uh, we could instead have an actual dialogue scene between the two of them that actually like drives home how much of a betrayal this is like for a Gandalf's good possess- scene between the two of them. Oof. I mean, sure. I'm just saying the two because the two of them are such good actors they could have handled. You know what I mean? Like it actually quite literally would have been the scene with Count Dooku in Obi Wan in Attack of the Clones, except good. Yeah. i set you up for that congratulations um (laughs) because literally nothing in that movie is good right um (laughs) uh before they're in moria um just the amount of the the the, this is a tolkien thing the amount of horses that they just go all right we can't use the horse anymore okay horsey go back home i'm just like what do you what do you think is going to happen to that horse there are wolves sir why are you just letting the horses fuck off horse all right sorry I have a thing about horses in these movies. Horse in Moria. That's what happened to the horses of the Nazgul. (laughs) They were like, "You're just gonna leave me? No, I can, I can go in the mine. It's fine. I'll just duck. I'll duck and I'll and I'll pop. I'll I'll be really quiet with my hooves and I'll just go. No, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take me with you. You don't, you don't love me anymore. You don't love, you don't love, you don't love Ed anymore. Ed, your horse. Okay, uh, you know what? Fine." Fine, fine, I'll kill you. I will fucking kill you. My eyes are turning red. I will fucking kill you. Um, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I was just, just gonna let I was just gonna let you go. <laughs> um so Moria. Uh this was one of the scenes where uh I was like, you know, yes, some lingering is good because then you get moments like Frodo and Gandalf and like, that is a, that is a genuinely nice moment. And then it is also the classic final moment between mentor and, you know, hero um, Mm. that, you know, here actually kind of resonates. And in star Wars, a new hope it's dog shit. Uh, But (laughs) well, so anyway, I I have one, two things before that. Um, Ah, is that 
the battles in Fellowship as a movie, and I'm going to track this. I'm going to track how I feel as we go through this this month. The battles in Fellowship, except for maybe some of the final battle with the Urukai, tell me no story. Tell me why. There is no story being told. Would you say they're battles, though? I I feel like most of them are just like little like skirmishes to me. I, I mean, I think they're battles. I mean, there are enough there are enough combatants to call it a battle. I would say if it, it was a skirmish, if it was one on one, each person got one person to fight, um, and then we show off their skills in various different ways. But no, there are what seems to be at least fifty orcs attacking them in this moment, plus a troll, and so that to me is a battle. And it really is just skills showing off and threat neutralization. You're not giving me any sort of character development through all of this, especially because the hobbits are still running. And so it's like, it's not a moment where the hobbits suddenly realize how to fight. It's not a moment that they've prepped them for. It's not a, you know, we got to find a way out of here in a creative way while fighting off these people and find that secret exit way. It's truly just, we got to kill all these orcs and get to the end of that. And if whatever happens, happens throughout that, including Frodo getting stabbed again. My note it, in my brain when I reread the note <laughs> is similar to the, you know, the history of Japan video where it's the Frodo. <laughs> Stop getting stabbed. Don't don't get hurt. Stop having you be stabbed. Um, <laughs> is what the note basically is. Um open the country stop having it be closed um <laughs> that's such yes exactly that proto defend yourself stop getting yourself Jesus stabbed. Christ. <laughs> for fuck's sake my thought on that because i've thought about this for years because i was like why does he he's such a like a incompetent like he just seems so incompetent he's so and my bad question is is it because he's wearing the ring that it makes like it affects him not differently yet. than the average human i think Does it's... it like attract more like to him you know what i mean it, like it does attract danger to him they make that pretty clear but i think i think it's i think they're trying to do different things at different points i think in the middle of two towers is where we get into like oh the ring is debilitating him i think this is hey he hasn't learned how to be yet and i think we never quite get a moment of frodo competence it goes straight from frodo doesn't know how to be he has to make a decision to go off on his own and then he's with sam and part of the struggle while he's with sam is the ring corrupting him and the ring hurting him physically and so it's I think it's, I, I think we never get a moment of true Frodo competency. But we also see when he decides to be the ring bearer that it's almost be, it's it's like an addiction. He can't not have it. Like when Gimli tries to kill it, like it physically. And maybe this could just be Elijah's with bad acting that I took to mean that way. Is that like he he was already feeling the effects of it just from taking it to Rivendell? I don't think that that was necessarily made to be as a desire so much as a tether. I think he's just tethered to it at that point. I think anybody who's worn the ring at that point has that, it, like, the ring is going to prey on them forever. Um, I don't think that's necessarily him being corrupted in that moment. I think it's just the ring. The ring's fucking with him. Also, I would just like to slip in here real quick. Uh, we've we've made quite a few. Uh, let, let me not say we. Uh, y'all have made quite a few shots at Elijah Wood specifically. And he's I so love him. he's so great. <laughs> let me just slip in and say none of us have ill any ill will towards Elijah no. Wood. No, no except for that one person. thing in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and that one role he can fuck off. But um, 
Well, I mean, it speaks to how well he, he, he did the role. No, I think Elijah Wood, especially as he's gotten older and I've seen him in other things, ha- you know, is a great actor. Um, I think that there's just yeah. moments where I was just like, huh, something about this just makes me go, ah, well, you're a weird little kid there, bud. His character, I also think, is not, uh, it's not one that we're drawn to as much as some of the others, you know, so there were already some things Which is going- a problem going against him but maybe again i think that was sort of the point that should not be the point but like because like he should be the most average of no hobbits possible like because because like here's my thing in an alternate reality sam is the protagonist and everything gets immediately better because sam has a genuine personality and actually has traits that I can easily identify and relate to and empathize with and that I actually like. And Frodo falls a lot. Like, that's my thing. Like, a pro- anytime you have a protagonist that is overshadowed by literally any of their companions, like all of their companions at the same time, that's a bad protagonist. Luke. I mean, I think, I, I ironically, I think, I'm going to talk about this in a second of, like, what kind of hero Frodo is. And ironically, I think the better, I think the better version of the kind of hero that Frodo is, is Harry Potter. Um, and yeah, so, Harry actually has a personality. Exactly. And opinions. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I, I really do want to, like, kind of close on this note. Um, yeah. God, so I yeah, find I, I think to shit on a new hope. <laughs> and, and I'm saying this now, having not rewatched the other two in, like, two years but something that like really loses me between the end of act two and all of act three is that once once you depart from that great quilt that i really liked it really just becomes meet people run fight heal meet people run fight heal meet people run fight heal um with like it feels like a DD campaign right which i mean for some people was really great but for me i'm like okay if it's not a show, then you need to give me some more variety here. You need to do more. You did so much character build at the very beginning that then when you have to do all these other things and you don't take time for characters to develop until the very last sequence when they're fighting the Urukai, then you kind of lose me. You're kind of just you're creating more you're creating more people for me to for you to play with later, sure. But then I, I'm kind of impatient. I want to get to the next thing. The only person who's getting any characterization during this entire thing is Boromir um, to then lead us up to that last fight. Yeah. Like literally this is a film with three climaxes Uh huh. because every hour Which, I mean, feels like its own movie. It's great with your, you know, sexual partner, but in a movie, I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you lined it the fuck up. Don't, don't you dare put this on me. All right. Um, but like, legitimately the first one in Rivendell is a nice emotional com- uh, climax where you know Frodo kind you're of really like connected really... and you haven't really gotten into the deep shit yeah. you haven't pulled out the dildo just yet um Jesus Christ <laughs> 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 um <laughs> Trevor oh, Cat's Trevor. here uh, yeah, come on Cat knows what I'm talking about um Trevor Cat Cat does not want to be a part of this conversation. Uh... Oh boy. Oh god. But um and then like Moria is like the the real client like BDSM. Like for God's sake. Okay, I'm abandoning this. I'm bailing. 
Um, so in Moria really is the biggest example of like one of my notes I had much earlier and uh, also a note that I have here uh, combining everything about the cinematography into one point because first off uh, the the camera is very kinetic it is constantly moving and shit tilting and like panning or zooming or like they got crazy angles they got these like aerial shots like the the film is surprisingly like kinetic which makes those lingering moments contrast like that much better because that's how you do that George Lucas directing a new hope uh I have there's a lot it's a lot of a new hope slander in this episode <laughs> Jesus I did not plan for this to happen but um <laughs> but it's true genuinely it, when you watch A New Hope and then you watch this, it's like, oh, okay, I, I get it. Because, like, a lot of scenes that would be a lot of dialogue are typically, like, they have crazy angles or, like, they have something going on with the camera. And when they don't, it's because literally, like, the ten scenes before that all did. So it, like, creates a contrast and a juxtaposition, um, which gives a good feeling of pacing. But... Really, in this Moria, like, cave troll fight, it really comes to a head of, like... And then also, the one-on-one fight with the Urukai leader and Aragorn later, it's like, man, the shaky cam is here. Ooh. Boy, there's a lot of shaky cam. And I've never heard anyone talk about the shaky cam in Lord of the Rings because they're too busy jerking off Helm's Deep over and over and over again. But like, yeah, that's part of the third climax. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's she a just, thing. Okay, cool. I'm, bre- I'm, I'm breezing right past you. I'm not paying you yep, any yep. attention. Ah, um, <laughs> but uh, which is saying something because usually I'm the guy that does this. Uh, but <laughs> um, like I mentioned earlier, Peter Jackson has a fuck ton of Dutch angles in this movie and like the first there's something about the cave troll there's something about the cave troll scene that really made me like kind of get a little irritated with the amount of Dutch angles specifically because I think in the setup to this fight there's actually a good use of Dutch angles when they start hearing the noises and they sh- go to like shut the doors and then Boromir has like they have a cave troll and it's like like yes great use of dutch angles if only there weren't like a fuck ton of other ones in this movie so that this would actually like i said earlier have contrast and juxtaposition but like eh eh um also yes like you said there's not a lot of character building or like a story being told in the cave troll scene specifically because I think they just kind of held all of it until the stairs scene like there's so much like there's so much storytelling here and just like it's just them crossing a a gap of stairs and it's like this scene is so dynamic and it's just like wow why did one get this and the other did not (laughs) Um, I mean, the Balrog is epic, no matter which way you turn it. Um, 
Yeah. The Balrog's just fucking an epic, an epic creature. I, I will always just applaud being like, cool, great design. Um, great, you know, great, great use of the special effects you had on your, you know, on your plate. Um, the performance by Ian McKellen is one of his most legendary in that moment. Like, you know, there's, mm. there's nothing I can say that hasn't been said already, but I, I, you know, it's worth saying. I would hate, I would hate for somebody to be a fan and be like, you didn't even mention the Balrog. And I'm like, of course we're going to mention the Balrog. Okay. Yes. And whether or not it has wings. Um, but like, I think, yeah, that is peak fantasy. That whole speech mm-hmm. is like, that is fantasy firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Is the unironic, the genuine emotional, like, explosion of either, you know, emotional intimacy between two characters, which we will surely touch on over the course of these movies with Sam and Frodo. Uh, also, and later in this movie with Aragorn, Aragorn and uh, Boromir. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also just, like, the action has this sincerity to it. It has this unironic nature that we have gotten so far away from in our fucking Marvel movies that can't take anything seriously for more than five minutes. Like, so that's genuinely refreshing. Um, also, there are too many Frodo death fakeouts. I mean, yeah, we there knew there were going to be three number of them. There's there. We don't need to every time Frodo look Frodo falls a lot. If every time he fell, we also thought he was dead. That's too much. The movie is a helicopter parent. <laughs> Fuck. I swear he's okay. He can take one hit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He literally can't take a single hit. Yeah. He's so little. Now, also, I do have this. Uh, for as important as Frodo is, y'all sure seem to lose his little ass constantly. <laughs> I did think about that this time. Watching through. I was like, why is no one keeping tabs on this poor man? Or Hobbit, For fuck's technically. Sake, especially you, Samwise. I mean, in reference to the BDSM, like you know, get a leash. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm having fun. Um, <laughs> Trevor. Uh, I also have this uh, note because you wanted something to say about the woods. Uh, the way this movie is structured, if it wasn't going to end at or after Rivendell, it really needed to end after Moria because. It really does feel like the, the end. I literally, I skipped one scene in this whole movie. Can you guess which one it was? How dare you skip a scene? Oh my God. Well, like Galadriel's like, moment with him and getting the ring is just another, it, it's an example we've already seen. We've already seen why Boromir shouldn't have the ring. We've seen why Gandalf shouldn't have the ring. It's just another example. And so I'm kind of like, all right. Galadriel's not going to do all that much for the rest of the series, so, like, why did we need this example? She sends the people to Helm's Deep. That's okay, sure. But that's it. No, we're not saying why why Galadriel is here. That's not what we're saying. Like, we know why Galadriel is here. She was, again, another example of a poorly written woman female character in this I think she's really cool. I I like the fact that she is this kind of, like, duality of her kind of character. But, again... It's one of the moments where I was like, but why is this needed in the story when we've had so many examples so far? Also, why is Frodo continuously trying to pawn this fucking ring off? I don't know if he's trying to pawn it off. Once is understandable. Twice is, you're, okay, you're you're doing it to set up a thing. I, I, I understand. Three times is where you're kind of like, okay, 
you can have one refusal of the call. After that, if the hero keeps going like, man, why do I have to do this? I'm going to start to not like this character. (laughs) That is also a Tolkien thing. Because in the, they don't do it so much in the movies, which I'm glad they don't. But there are plenty of moments in The Hobbit where Frodo has, or not Frodo, uh, Bilbo has literal, like a page of like, fuck this, fuck this. I want to leave. I want to go. I want to leave. Um, when he's already in the mission. So, like, I don't know why Tolkien does that. I, there's Isn't a lot a human? of, there's a lot, I guess. Well, that's ironic, but. <laughs> Come on, TJ, work you, with me you, here. You walked right into that. <laughs> I mean, Just I've like Frodo. about my job uh, several times this month, so. <laughs> I guess. You know, like. But, like, the, for, Tolkien as much as as much praise as Tolkien gets, a lot of his writing is kind of dated in the sense of like, yeah, the whole thing with the protagonist being Frodo and all his Frodo-ness, but also like the whole concept, the whole tired ass, dated ass, kind of problematic concept of like, look, the men just need a king. They need one guy who has royal blood, so we know he's good, to be the king. That's what we need. We just need one guy, and he has to be white. And I'm just like, oh, right. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So you agree with Boromir, then? Ooh. Like, I I disagree (laughs) with this whole thing of, like, you know, the second they get one tyrant, that it's just like, cool, everything's good. I'm just like, what? No, you still have to do work. You still have to try and, like, fix your own shit. I mean, we're not even there to the real, like, coronation yet here. Yeah. That's the end of the series. But it's just it's just this thing of, like, you know, Elrond and, Elrond and uh, fucking Gandalf having this conversation of, like, the, the realm of men is divided. You can't, Mr. Anderson, they can't possibly get along. That's why the whole theme of control and, and I'm just, uh, and then it cuts to Aragorn and it's just like, yeah, that's the guy. Only he can fix this because he had a very specific daddy. And I'm like, I don't it, I am not going to call Tolkien <laughs> pro authoritarianism because the man literally fought in the trenches against Hitler. So um, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and call that more so a hero's journey. thing. I don't think. Basically saying that you have to have a king isn't necessarily a hero's journey thing. I think it has more to do with addressing individual characters as inherently special um, because they are on the journey that they are on or because they come from the place they come from and that they have to go through this process to become who they are supposed to be. Is a hero's like, you know journey what I, You know what it would have been interesting for me as like a nice little kind of like left turn of this trope and not to say that i think tolkien should have done this because i don't think tolkien would have ever done this but like in a more modern version of lord of the rings it would have been interesting if aragorn was actually a descendant of like a famous traitor or a failure and then mm-hmm. his ascending to the throne was like a redemption for his line that's then more, it's like that feels more star wars for sure yeah i mean have they ever done that 
I don't know if they've done it explicitly, but the roguiness is always typically more Star Warsy. Yes, that run that rogue oneiness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Cassian Han, uh, you know, kind of style thing. Um. So yeah, uh, the whole thing with the wooden el- the wood elves, which I just I'm just gonna call them wood elves. Uh, that whole thing is there. Like, there's like. Because, yeah, once you have a huge climax like that, it's you should kind of take a step down in terms of energy. But this is like, all right, you've just had P.E. kids. Now take a nap. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you could just like send them to lunch. Right. Like lunch is also a good way to like have them calm down from P.E. You don't have to literally send them to fucking sleep. They're they're ten years old. <laughs> they don't need. They shouldn't have a nap during class anymore. Um, yes, they should. Everyone should have a nap during class. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking to a very biased audience here with me because of depression. Um, but okay, so yeah, my last thing is Bormir. Yeah. So so in regards to is yours about the the way that the fight unfolds or anything, or like specifically before. my my thing is just Boromir like as a character. you like oh. you like him you don't like him uh just an interesting thing of like why I think Boromir works really well because conventionally mm-hmm. speaking he should not like you know on paper this is a guy that's been annoying the entire movie he's been nothing but a source of conflict there they had one brief moment where he was like training the training Mary and Pippin and having fun with them and then one moment right after Gandalf died where he was like or oh, for god's sakes like can you just for one second just let him grieve for a little bit like those are literally the two moments he has of being pretty decent and then everything else he's kind of an ass and then he has easily the most emotional moment in the movie. Oh, it's so emotional. I cry every time. More than Gandalf, which is interesting. I'm trying to, to find a, a, a parallel character for him because it's like he's kind of star athlete who really wants to win but isn't a terrible person. I mean, there's one very ob- – there's one – kind of obvious it's not one-to-one the same but it's similar enough in terms of beats um but i won't say it because it's an avatar spoiler and unfortunately catherine has committed the unholy sin i've watched a lot of it of i but you but you dropped off (laughs) even though you were in love with Zhao. i was just think about that for a second. How much of a Slytherin do you have to be hey. to fall in love with Jason Isaac's voice? <laughs> you know, I felt it like, in my literally, soul. You don't even know it's Lucius Malfoy and you still find a way. So in a way, it's a daddy moment. Um, Slytherin daddy. Uh, oh, God. Wouldn't Snape be Slytherin daddy? No. No. Snape is, Snape is Slytherin incel. Um, <laughs> you can't be both. <laughs> no, because here's the thing: Alan Rickman can it's be daddy. Slytherin, after all, Alan Rickman can be daddy in Sense and Sensibility and Die Hard, but like not in not in Harry Potter. Um, 
Anyway. I think this uh, might be the most I've laughed in an episode. <laughs> this is a good episode. I'll say it now. This is a good episode. Because um, it's a great movie. And, and there's plenty to sink your teeth uh, into. There's plenty to sink your teeth into. Um, yes. And so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, the last fight is one of the best ones because it has so much. And even then, I don't even think it's that particularly interesting, but it just at least at least it has character informing it between Boromir realizing where he's gone wrong, realizing what, you know, having a degree of realization about what ha- what the ring's presence has done to him and sacrificing himself to save the hobbits. Um, and, you know, right when right when you think he's going to make his untimely end with the arrow to the face, Aragorn comes in and they get to have their moment. Um, Merry and Pippin have the reaction where they're they're trying to get Frodo to hide with them and Frodo has to make his decision and they have the realization of like, oh, even though we have been through some shit, we don't, we haven't quite clocked how real this is yet. Yeah. And this is the moment where they clock, this is real and he's got his own thing that he has to do and we have to play our part. And then they decide to distract them because all those Urukai are looking for is hobbits. And so they play their part in all this. They end up getting captured, which gives us a moment to finally be like, oh no, Merry and Pippin. Okay, great. We got to, we got to, I look forward to following them because they're in danger now. And they, now they get it. They're not just, just the goofy sidekicks at this yeah. point. Now they get it. Um, so that's driving that. And then Aragorn's test of when Frodo has just run away from Boromir and Aragorn's like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. And he doesn't trust him. And he goes, okay, no, you know what? I have to do something to make you trust me. And this is your job. So I'm going to go do my job. And he then fights off most of the Urukai on his own. I was looking at them being like, Urukai, why the fuck are you all just standing there waiting to fight Aragorn? Go get, go get Frodo. He's right behind. Go. Is it ever established how many Urukai there are? Is this an orc army with Urukai leaders? I'm going to Google it. I don't know. Okay. I don't really care that much. It's like um, the moment where they all step up. <laughs> Ugh. Um, but and then well, Sam drowning is I unnecessary. But um, I think it's fine. It's sweet, but he doesn't need to be floating in the water with the light above him for three minutes, waiting cinematic like cinematically. He could just have yeah, a hard that's time the swimming thing with this movie. and then get on the boat. Everything is slow in this movie. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm gonna say I googled it, and it's called a scrimmish. Just so you know, Trevor. Skirmish. They call it according to the, the yeah the at the end of uh, the fellowship. Let's see if it says it says many. That's all I got was many urukai. Okay. All right, I don't think we were ever going to figure this out. Um, <laughs> but um, okay, I actually didn't finish what I was saying about Bormir. Um, because it's interesting why he works, and I have a theory of like I think he works because he genuinely cares about something. Mm-hmm. That is a key to make you have grudging respect for almost any character. If they are committed to a single thing, that is always going to be kind of, kind of like likable as a trait, no matter who it is really. Cause like how many villains have their, like that's why Killmonger works. Cause he genuinely cares about his cause. He's not just being evil for the sake of evil. That's why you don't get a lot of, evil for the sake of evil villains that even if they're iconic, there's not really much to them. And so they don't really stand a chance against villains that like genuinely have a point or yeah. genuinely care about something. It's be, it's not just this arbitrary thing of if they do X, then we automatically care about them. It's this thing of that 
like Bormir has been an ass the entire movie, but he's been consistent in that, like, you know, he has a thing he genuinely cares about. And then, you know, he comes to care about the hobbits and the fellowship and the mission they're on. But, like, he is, at the end of the day, committed to a thing that is bigger than himself. Yes. And to his dying breath, that is the one thing he cares about more than anything. Well, and he's got got some valid points. That's the other thing. Like, it's... Uh, he it he's not wrong he it's him and his people that have been fighting this for years while everybody else has been chilling you know like he's he's wrong but like you can you absolutely see where he's coming from yeah like like boromir reminds me of like really good bioware characters uh in like mass effect and dragon age where like there are a lot of characters that are kind of polarizing especially for newer newer people to the fandom that like don't trust any of them I <laughs> I what you haven't even played I played Dragon Age when with you but you did not beat one game yeah because I didn't trust any of them <laughs> spoken like a true Slytherin yeah, that's um right. <laughs> but <laughs> But it's like, wow, who would have thought Lord of the Rings was going to be the thing that made us talk about Star Wars, Harry Potter, Dragon Age. Like, it's all it's, interconnected, TJ. Yeah, it's all the same. I mean, not the same story. It's but not it's Star all the same Wars. Like, um, but like, Lord of the Rings does have a lot of influence in places. But it's, it's a and thing. And this one like, was before all the rest of them existed. Well, yeah. Well, except the movie, you know, came after some. But like, it's a thing of... Because Dragon Age, more than Mass Effect, has characters that are very not are very forward with what they think. They are very much like, I believe in this, and if you don't believe in this, we're going to have a bad time. But I'm going to believe in this very strongly. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how Bormir is. And, you know, he means well. He fucked the, he fucked the bed. Um... He screwed the pooch. Chat the bed? No, he, he fucked said he the fucked bed. the bed. Yeah, he fucked the bed. Chat um, the bed. No, he fucked the bed. Because if we're fucking a bed, that's a fourth co- climax here. Uh, <laughs> You're very predictable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, that brings us to the end of Fellowship and this movie... It's so long now. So, so I'm, I'm going to close. I'm going to close with the thing I said I was going to close with, um, which is that, like, I think what really is interesting about this story and the variety of characters we're given is that, like, it gives us a glimpse of a lot of different kinds of heroes. There are heroes who are the kind who are the innate leaders, the people who kind of seem to know what to do at any given time. Um and, you know, that that is the Gandalfs and the Aragorns. You have the heroes who are burdened with a great purpose, not because they wanted to, not because they are anything more than just someone who stumbled into something that they can't get out of. And that is Frodo. And then you have the heroes who are, I'm a hero because I see my friend burdened with this and I uh, 
and I'm going to stick with them no matter what, and I'm going to be heroic in the face of adversity, even though it's not my cross to bear, I'm going to be that person's hero. I'm going to be the person who sticks by that person. And then you have heroes like Boromir, who it's like, by all intents and purposes, I am what everyone on the outside expects a hero to be, and then I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail because of the thing that I stand for and the thing that I want so badly is going to get in the way of the overall mission. And I find that the dichotomy of everyone, I can genuinely say they're all heroes for various different reasons, but they all have a different way of going about it. And that's what makes the fellowship a fellowship of these kinds of characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was, I should have just said it earlier. I realized waiting was not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, Did you find that uh, waiting for the perfect time was not worth it at all? Yeah, you know, I could have probably got a fifth climax out of it. Um, Oh, good lord. (laughs) And on that. uh, (laughs) uh, I think that about wraps it on Fellowship. Kat, do you have any lingering thoughts? No, I just love it so much. Ah, magical. Dude, one day remind me to tell you about it. St- I played that at a wedding. It was the weirdest wedding I've ever been to. In my life. No, maybe not. Maybe like the second or third weirdest wedding I've ever been to. In my life. Uh, oh yeah, we never talked. To- we never circled around back around to the music. I find it interesting, Trevor, that you didn't really like. Not a lot of the music like sticks with you, but like interestingly enough, like a lot of the music does stick out to me. Like it I slaps. actually find myself. Uh, remembering like like the ring theme, like but um, yeah, that was basically all I had to say about that. Um, I mean, they, they, it just kind of they they end up kind of fading into some of the other stuff. So some of the other well-known themes they do fade into them in my brain. I don't know why I can't unlink them, but they do. Hmm. I mean that's kind of that's kind of understandable. Um, some some scores just tend to do that. Uh, but yeah, this has been our very exhaustive, detailed journey through uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings One: Fellowship of the Ring. Can you imagine if they were numbered? Good lord. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and as always, it was a privilege and an honor and a lovely, 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 lovely thing to have Cat uh, Pat here with us. We love her so dearly. We love her so much. Thank you, good sirs. I'm honored to have been a part of this. Um, and, yeah, what do you all think of Lord of the Rings? Feel free to let us know uh, on social medias at Red Team Pod. And stay tuned. Check that out for, you know, what we're going to be doing for this month. We're going to be doing all all fucking Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, With guests. And then Game of Thrones. With guests. Game of Thrones will not have guests. (laughs) We won't. Um, We won't need it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need it. (laughs) I don't need it. I definitely don't need it. Definitely don't need it. I need it. Check out our website, redteampod.com. Uh, and uh, Trevor Lee Beverly, any lasting thoughts? I couldn't think of a joke quick enough. Cool. No, we're good. Are you saying you weren't quick enough on the draw? 
Uh, I keep trying to come up with a climax thing, but it won't it won't come out right. Um, so. Well, I thought of a joke, but it's far too dirty, even for our anyway. R-rated podcast. So, okay. uh, until next time. <laughs> until next time, uh, I've been TJ Patrick. I'm Trevor Carlisle. Do I get to say my name? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you have anything? Pat Patterson. No, I have nothing else to say. Do you have anything you'd like to plug or anything? No, find me on Instagram at, at the.cat.pat. Nearini. And until next time, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> some quote by the, Some quote by this guy named Dumbledore. <laughs>